Well, good morning. I'm glad we could be with you this morning and um, share a little bit of what God is, is doing in Madagascar and then hopefully um, bring that home here and uh, maybe share a few lessons that God has been teaching us that, um, that can be a, a help to you guys and encouragement to you guys too. Um, a lot has happened in the last four and a half years since we've been here. Uh, a lot of neat things, a lot of things that we've been praying uh, for God to do for a long time. And so that's been really neat. A lot of hard things, too. Um, you probably noticed a little bit of a theme here. I, I like how God does that and, and just bringing um, a lot of thoughts together in the service. And um, we've, we've been through a lot this, this past few years um, with the, the cattle thieves and the violence in Madagascar, with the political instability um, personally, just with a lot of trials, um, some of you guys know a little bit of the story with our, our youngest son, Elliot, who's almost three now, and uh, how he was diagnosed with meningitis a week after he was born, and we thought he, we might lose him. Uh, when the helicopter took him away while we were in France after his birth, uh, we didn't know if we'd ever see him again. And um, But God has, has brought us through some of these things, and um, I we don't always understand. Um, and I, I want to just talk a little bit about what's next for us too, because that's another thing. We're, we're going through transition, and that can be kind of an uncomfortable time. It can be a time where, uh, again, questioning, what, God, what is it that you want? And um, so, like um, the video mentioned, Stacy mentioned a little bit, after 11 years in Madagascar and working with the Bada people, um, we feel that God is leading us to leave uh, our mission, AIM, African Inland Mission, and um, uh, Madagascar. And the main reason for that is just that, that we see that God is doing some of the things that we came to, to see, that, that now there are people within the local church that can reach out to the Bada and are beginning to do that and have some tools to do that. And so it's a, an exciting time, even though it's a, it's a difficult time for us. You can imagine it's been our life to, in Madagascar. And so... Um, it's hard to leave. It's hard to, um, you know, leave the people that we, we've come to love and uh, gotten to a place where we finally feel like we're of some use. We, we understand the language and culture to the point where we can, um, you know, communicate and we can actually, you know, do what we, were, we feel like we were there to do. Um, so as we prayed about it, we, we just felt like, you know, this is an opportunity for now the local church to take over. And we want to kind of get out of the way and see God work among the Bada. And so we hope to continue to support that ministry, but kind of do it from a distance, at least for a while. So um, I, what's next? Uh, well, right now uh, we're praying about a lot of things, and we, to be honest, we don't know for sure. Um, and, uh, but as we've, as we've prayed about it and looked at kind of how God has gifted us and our past experience and um, just who we are, what, what we're passionate about, um, we see God opening some doors in France, and you guys know that I was I was born and I raised in France, and I uh, never really thought I would return to France. Um, growing up in the French public school, I kind of understand the French mentality, and I don't really, you know, want to go back there. Um, <laughs> but but um, Stacy's heritage, um, uh, her great grandparents came from the from the Basque area in France. If you know a little bit about the Basque, they're an interesting people. Um, they're, they're right on the border of Spain and France, in southwestern France, on the coast. 
And the Basque are, are a unique people in that uh, they, their language is the oldest language still spoken in Europe before the Romans, before uh, maybe the time of Christ, the Basque were there speaking their language in that location. And uh, nobody knows where Basque comes from. When we did our linguistic studies, they have all the families of languages. And then there's Basque just on its own. And it's one of the few languages that has no known relatives. Nobody knows where it came from. And, uh, but the Basque uh, became Catholic centuries ago and very, um, were kind of the, the keepers of the Catholic Church there. And, uh, but over the last decades, um, the Basque have become more and more secular. And uh, the Catholic churches have, have pretty much closed. And there's really nothing. They're agnostic, atheists. Um, so there's very few Christians among the Basque. And we feel like God has, has equipped us maybe to, to move there and work there. So I'm looking at getting a job, trying to kind of a tent-making ministry there. Um, so all that's up in the air. We can pray for, for this transition for us. Um, and uh, hopefully early next year, we're with AIM, Africa Inland Mission, until the end of the year, um, kind of on our home assignment. So we'll be speaking and, and traveling kind of what we're doing now. Um, until then, and uh, Stacy's trying to do homeschooling on the road, and I'm taking a, an online course to get my degree in teaching English as a foreign language. And hopefully that'll be... Um, a tool to uh, get in some of the Basque schools there and see how, how we can just kind of get into the community, learn language. And um, we have the, I have the French side of things, and Stacy's working on that. Um, but we'd really like to, to know uh, Basque a little bit and, and see how God can use us there. We don't have an agenda to plant churches or anything, really, but just to kind of come alongside people and, and see how God can use us there. So we appreciate your prayers. And it's, it's caused us to think a lot about how do we determine God's will? How do we um, see what's next? And that's not just in ministry, but each one of us has to decide um, that. And I think each of us can go to either extreme there in, in trying to decide um, what God has for us, either in, um, in the big decisions or even the little ones, in that we just kind of either make God's will so complicated, so mysterious, that God has to give us a sign for everything. And, um, and it often then we don't do anything because we, we're waiting constantly for God to, to show us or to tell us. Um, or we just kind of live our life and, and act like God isn't there. And uh, kind of, you know, for all pragmatic purposes, He really isn't part of our lives. Um, and so Stacy and I, are, we sense that this is where God is leading us, and so that's what we're working towards, and we'll see. We're, we're open to um, whatever he has for us for the future. So we appreciate your prayers in that. Um, as we've um, worked through the past few years, uh, you know, a lot of people ask, well, what do you do in Madagascar? And hopefully the video gave you a little bit more of an idea. Um, you know, it, it really has been just walking alongside people. And uh, there's one guy, um, like to tell his story a little bit, and um, some of the things that we've been doing, um, I was invited to his village to go and share the stories of the Bible there. And so uh, a friend of mine, who's a Malagasy guy that had been training and storing, we took our, our bicycles and started riding down to his village in about 15 miles. And it's a, you know, a good trek, and especially on the roads there and stuff. And uh, we began sharing right from the beginning creation and who God is and sharing the stories of the Bible um, with him mostly in, in his village. And uh, it's just been really neat to see how God is transforming his life. 
and uh, causing him to rethink his whole way of life. For the Bada, the spirit world determines everything about um, what a person does, how they think. What they, everything is dictated by the spirits. And so uh, for him, he's had to rethink everything. And as we started um, sharing the stories from the Bible, he, um, you know, right from, from day one in creation, well, if, if God created the world for us to take care of, then why are we burning all the, the grass and why are we cutting down all the trees every time? Because that's how they bought a farm, slash and burn farming. And it's, it's very destructive. The erosion everything has, has caused all kinds of poverty. And so he started asking these questions. And then um, we got through the major stories of the Old Testament. And uh, he was one of the few people in the area who can read and write. And um, we were able to finish, or the, the team, the translators, were able to finish the book of Luke in 2011. That's the first book that's ever been published in Bara. And um, so we gave him a copy of that. And the next week when I came back, I mean, this thing was well-worn. His, he had gone through this book so many times. And uh, so he's, he's all excited, and he's telling me all the stories that he had, he had read. And amazingly, he caught quite a bit. And... Um, telling me about the thief on the cross uh, being one of his favorite stories and stuff. And, but there was something that was bothering him, and he, and he was just all, you know, kind of like, I, I don't get it. I, there's this one page, and I don't understand anything on here. And he wanted to know everything in that book. And so I said, well, show it to me. So he opens up the book. The first page has the copyright information in English and, and some <laughs> dates and stuff. And uh, he was just so frustrated that he couldn't get this page. And so anyway, I, realized, I didn't realize he had never read a book in his life like most Bada people, and I needed to kind of explain a little bit more how it worked. But anyway, um, so he's been really growing in his faith. And over the last couple of years, we've been leading a team of missionaries and training them. And so I haven't been able to visit him as much as I'd like to and, and continue the story also because of the violence. But every once in a while, I'm able to get you know, a few hours cut out, and so I bike down and, and see Feng Ahi. And it's just been so encouraging to see how he's growing as a, uh, as a follower of Christ. And he always has questions for me, you know, like, um, well, what, is it okay to still have a gun? And uh, what happens when the, the cattle thieves come to my village? Can I still, um, can I shoot them like I did before? What, what do I do? And so um, things like, you know, he, he knows that God is, is more powerful than the spirits that he was kind of enslaved to. So he's gotten rid of his charms and stuff. But what happens when, when his family's really pressuring him to, um, to offer sacrifices to the ancestors or um, as, as kind of the priest of the family or when his kids are sick to bring them to the shaman? What, what does he do there? And, um, or even with his, his family. Are his kids just kind of his possessions, his wife, like the most bada see, um, that you know, he can divorce his wife whenever he gets tired of her or um, you know, beat his kids when, when he gets angry? And he's starting to rethink, maybe, maybe this isn't the best way to do it. And so he has these questions for me. And my tendency is to want to you know, answer all these questions and tell him what I think he should do and, and everything. And... Um, but I've really tried to hold back and really tried to ask him, well, what do you think God is, is showing you here? And let's look at, at the scripture together and try to find out what God wants you to do in this situation. And I think each of us has that tendency, if, if you're, you have kids, maybe you're trying to disciple them, or just someone a new or maybe immature believer that you're discipling, we have that tendency to want to tell somebody what to believe or what to do in a certain situation. What I found has really helped him grow is to just 
lead him back to Scripture and say, what does God, God say here? And uh, to help him search. And that's how he's really growing as a follower of, of Jesus. And he really is kind of on his own there. He's got the book of Luke, and, and he remembers the stories from the Old Testament. Um, but each of us needs to help, I think, come alongside people, not to, to give them all the answers, but to continue to point them back to the only one who can really save them, who can change their lives, just like he has ours. And, um, you know, the, the scripture that was read from 1 Corinthians 1 this morning, there's a verse that I want to... I've been reminded of uh, so many times um, in that uh, verse 27 where, where Paul writes, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And this to me is, so, is illustrated by a story that happened way before this. Even more amazing to me than, than the transformation in Fungai's life is, is his sister and her story. And this happened even before Stacy and I were in Bitruka in Madagascar. And um, Vilnai, her name is, is Fangahi's sister. And uh, she is severely handicapped. And when she, shortly after she was born, it was obvious to her parents that she probably would never be able to walk. She could hardly see. She, she was almost deaf. just could hear a little bit. And um, so... For the Bada, they did the usual treatments. They started offering sacrifices, went to the shaman, prepared charms, tried all this stuff, and uh, just kept using a lot of their resources, their money, and nothing was was any different, and um, there wasn't really much success. So they had heard about this um, this care center that the Lutheran Church uh, had in the town that we live in now, or that we lived in. And uh, so they kind of, in desperation, what else can we do? They took her there in an ox cart, and they just dropped her off at the care center. And then they left, thinking, well, she'll probably die, but you know, at least she's kind of out of, off of, our, out of our hands. And, um, but God had other plans for this little girl. And as she, she began to be cared for by the people there at the care center, uh, they started praying for her and teaching her God's word. And she just showed a real eagerness to learn and to, you know, just memorize God's word. And um, slowly things began to change for her. She was able to to learn to read, even with her very poor eyesight. And um, even though her legs were really crippled, she started walking a little bit and started sharing her faith with whoever would, would listen to her. And God has used her in incredible ways in the Bichuca area. And um, slowly stories got back to her village. And uh, her siblings, um, some of them would come to, to the town there in Bitruka every once in a while for a cattle market and stuff. And, and they'd heard these stories and wanted to go see Vilnai because it had been years and years. And here this, they just thought she would, she would die. And um, so they, they started seeing her and, and could see that, God, something was happening had happened in this girl. And uh, so it was at that point, um, years later, that uh, Vilnai um, just came to us when we had come to Bitruka and said, you know, I've heard you guys have a, a real burden to share the good news with the Bada people. And I, I've been praying for my family for years and years, and no one will go there to the village to share with them 
and I can't walk that far because because of my legs. And um, and so that's when I took my friend to go uh, to that village and begin sharing with him. And and that's how this whole family was introduced to the gospel because this this girl and you know it's amazing to me to see how that's so often how God works it's through the the people you would least expect a, a person who just seems so insignificant who's so marginalized by society and was even left to die by her own family and here God has used her in incredible ways to share his love with with um, people all over the place and you know, as I look at Scripture, I think um, it's so often how God works is through our weaknesses, through our, our vulnerabilities, maybe what we think of as our failures. And uh, I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians 12. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to 2 Corinthians 12, and we're just going to read uh, verses 7 through 10. Second Corinthians 12, um, verses 7 through 10. I'll just start um, just a few words into it where, where Paul writes, To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Might be a, a familiar passage to us, but when we stop and think about it, what a countercultural message. What, a, I mean, what is Paul saying here? I, I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer. As Christians, are we supposed to enjoy pain and look for opportunities for opposition? I, I think what Paul is, is getting at here and what he realizes is that God's design is to make each one of us a display of Christ's power. And I think we know that, that each one of us is a display of Christ's power, but it's not in the way that we would expect, and especially in the way that the world expects. Not by taking away all those, those weaknesses, the troubles that we have to go through, the trials. Not by taking those away, but by giving us the strength to endure. And even sometimes giving us joy amidst the trials. And that's such a, uh, this message is so different from what the world expects. So different. I, I think, you know, each one of us has this idea that, okay, with, Christian, with, with Christ, you know, everything's going to be easier. And Jesus is not about that at all. He says, you know, it's through those hardships that my power is going to be made made manifest is going to be clear. Not by getting rid of, of all the trials, maybe the weaknesses, the things that we have to go through. We don't know exactly what Paul's talking about here, but 
You can fill in the blanks in your own life. And so often we try to present Christianity as, as the strong, the logical, the, the victorious way. And sure, there's, there's definitely that element of that. But a lot of that is still to come. And in our experience right now, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and sometimes the gospel doesn't make sense in that light. Because there's also the side of the gospel that's about a God who is willing to be weak, who is willing to be vulnerable, who is willing even to be defeated for a purpose. And so often, I think as a missionary especially, I'm tempted to come in with all the answers and kind of come in as the Savior and uh, to, to hide all my, my own weaknesses and, um, and try to tell everybody, um, you know, show just how great Christianity is. But, but God's plan so often is so different from that. God's plan is for me to serve, to, to be vulnerable, and sometimes even to be rejected like his own son was. Jesus gave us an example that is tough, but it's one that he expected us to follow. That Jesus put himself at the mercy of others, not to lord it over them, but to serve them and even be at their mercy sometimes, to be rejected by them, ridiculed by them. And there's another aspect, too, that God often exposes our weaknesses and our failures so that we recognize our dependence on him and our need for him. And that's it's so often how when we talk to people who have been through really tough things and they can say that God was there and, and God just showed his power. We see that so often. And when I, I look at Hebrews 11, you know, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. There's so many, um, talks about so many great people and, and all the things that they did. Uh, and then you get lower down, and it's not just the great things they did, but the things that they endured and the terrible things. And um, verse 34 of, of Hebrews 11 says, Their weakness was turned to strength. And I think God's power is so often shown most clearly when we have nothing to offer, when we're just at the end of, oh, totally overwhelmed with life. And if you're hesitant to, you sense God is, is calling you to do something and you're hesitant to, to step out and do that, I think you're in good company. You know, I'm right with you. The scripture's full of, of people who are hesitant to do what God has called them to do because they're aware of their weakness. They're aware that they, they can't do what God is calling them to do. And we can think of um, yeah, Gideon, uh, David, uh, most of Jesus' disciples, the, the minor prophets especially, I think, um, even Paul. But one that stands out to me uh, is Moses. And uh, if you remember the story when God first you know, meets Moses at the burning bush and, and he tells him what he wants Moses to do. And of course, right away, what does Moses say? You got the wrong guy. I can't do this. I, I can't speak. And um, what's interesting is, you know, centuries later, 
we know that what what God does with Moses, but what Moses is remembered for when in Acts seven, when Stephen is is preaching to the people who are about to kill him, and he gives this whole thing about the Old Testament. He talks about Moses, and what he says about Moses is in, in uh, Acts seven twenty two, he says he was powerful in speech, and the exact opposite of what Moses said that you know this is the last thing I can't do this, and here. This is what God turns, how, how God turns the situation around. I think, you know, God has a sense of humor there sometimes, and I always tell people, don't ever, don't ever say you're not going to do that, or, you know, you're not going to go there, because chances are God may have, have other plans for you that may include that, you know. And, um, and so as, as I look to the future, of, of course I'm afraid, of course I'm, I, you know, I realize I can't do this, but I, I can go in with the confidence that God is going to use use me, even all my weaknesses, my failures, so that His power is going to be made known. And I think of um, another. Uh, I think he was the the first, as far as I know, the first missionary in my family. Um, my dad grew up in upstate New York, the Binghamton area, and um, in that area, my um, my great uncle Irv, my Grandma's brother uh, was up there, and um, my uncle Irv was—I don't know—in I think in his 40s uh, when he sensed that God was calling him to be a missionary. And you got to know, um, well, my uncle Irv is, is gone now, but he uh, wasn't exactly what people pictured as as kind of the ideal missionary. He was kind of a hillbilly. He was a farmer. Uh, hadn't been very well educated. Um, and uh, in fact, when, when he told his pastor what he felt that God was calling him to do, and he, uh, his pastor just kind of shook his head and he said, Well, Irv, if God can use Balaam's donkey, then he probably can use <laughs> Uncle Irv. And he used a different word for donkey. That's sometimes misunderstood today. But, um, but the point is, you know, sometimes it's the people that you would least expect. And Irv spent... Um, about 20 years in Guatemala, and, and God really used him. And through that, my dad then went to, to France. He was challenged by, by his uncle. And, uh, you know, God changed all kinds of people's lives through that. And um, it, there's a, a quote that I just want to, it puts it really well here. I think um, Lawrence Crawford writes, God has a way of letting us know that life is not about us that we are not in control. God will do whatever it takes to remind us that there is never a single second in our lives when we can make it on our own. So he takes us through seasons and episodes of brokenness to keep us under his shadow and to tie our hearts to his. I just like how you put that. So often that's my life, you know, that, that God is constantly trying to show me that I can't do this on my own. And that's why Jesus doesn't, doesn't say, you know, come to me, all you who have it all together and have figured out the spiritual life and, and things. No, Jesus whispers quietly to each one of us, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'm guessing there's some people here that, that feel like that, who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus' only condition in coming to him is to bring our, our lives, our junk, our messed up relationships, whatever it is, and to bring that 
before him. And Craig Barnes says, Our calling is not to fix one single thing, but to bring all the broken things to Jesus Christ, who alone has the power to save. And that's what excites me, whether it's in Madagascar or wherever I am, that I don't have to fix myself or anybody else's problems, but I can bring them to the only one who can. And that is the message of the, the gospel. The good news is that I can't do it, but I know the one who can and who longs for me to just come to him and bring him all my, my problems, my broken relationships, whatever it is. And that he longs to restore those things and to give me a hope and a future. And that's also what this broken world around us so desperately needs to hear. So may we proclaim that message of hope to those around us with, with our lips, but also with our lives, the way that we live. So let's pray as we close this morning. Father, I thank you for these people um, here at Grace. I thank you for, for their desire to reach out. I thank you for their, their partnership with us and um, with the Bada, that uh, lives have been changed and lives are being changed right here. And we thank you for the power of the gospel. And may we, may we they apply that to our lives. And um, even if, if we know you, that we would continue to come back to you because we can't do it without you. And I pray for those that, that don't have a relationship with you, that they would, they would yield their lives to you. Father, thank you. Thank you for these people. Encourage us, us today that we would live godly lives and we would honor you with every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.